back in Matthew chapter number 13. Matthew chapter number 13, continuing to look through the parables that we find there in Matthew chapter number 13. We're looking at this series of the message of the Savior. What message did Christ proclaim? What is the message that he proclaimed while he was here on earth? And here in Matthew chapter number 13, there are seven parables that are linked together, all of the parables, giving an overall view, an overall message of the kingdom. Now, each of the parables represent different truths. A couple of the parables are linked together, showing the same truth from different angles. As we look in Matthew 13, of course, we saw that the first of the seven parables in this chapter is the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower teaches us some important truths concerning the spread of the gospel and how people receive the gospel. It teaches us that the gospel is to go out. It teaches us that you and I are to be responsible for spreading the gospel. Uh, but it also teaches us that not everyone that hears the gospel will respond in the same way. The second parable in the chapter 13 that we see is the parable of the tares among the wheat. And boy, we saw such a serious truth uh, as we looked at this thing of the tares among the wheat, uh, how that Satan will plant people in the church, in Christianity, who appear to be Christians, who behave as Christians, who promote themselves as Christians, who have never accepted and never will accept the Lord Jesus Christ. False teachers, false believers, those who are in the church for the purpose of corrupting the church. The third and fourth parables, which are the last that we looked at, the most recent we looked at, is that of the mustard seed and the leaven. We saw that these two parables were linked together in that although they taught opposite truths, they were driving home one center, center truth. We've seen that they were linked together in that they taught what we referred to as the significance of small things. We've seen that how the parable of the mustard seed taught that any act of faith, although however small it may be, can be blessed by God and can grow into something that will have great effect for the cause of Christ. We could think of this nativity that we're looking to do. Right now it's very small. But if we follow God, God can bless it and make something magnificent out of it. But then we saw the parable of the leaven. That Here it is linked together with the parable of the mustard seed. But throughout the Word of God, we find that anytime we look at leaven, it is always representative of sin. Anytime we look at mustard seed, it is always representative of faith. So although they are both similar in that the mustard seed can grow into a great tree and the leaven can spread throughout the whole loaf, they are teaching two different truths. The mustard seed is teaching the blessing of God on our faith while the leaven is teaching the danger of sin within the church and within our life. And we looked at how these two parables taught the significance of small things in the work of the Lord. And so now we move on to the next two parables in the passage. These are found in verse 44 through 46. And these two parables are linked together as well and they represent the priceless value of the gospel. The priceless value of the gospel. Now I've had a couple of folks ask me as we've been doing this series, they've said, Pastor John, where are all your slides? 
Well, there's just not been anything to really make slides out of, okay? So all the points are right there. There's two points, hidden treasure, pearl of great price. All right, so there's your point, not any more slides to make. That Whenever we have sermons that there's more material, we'll make more slides. But uh, I've found out that a lot of you like my slides, though, because a lot of people are like, Pastor John, where's the slides in this series? And so uh, we just have the title slide of uh, it does carry the content of the message. But we're looking at the priceless value of the gospel. Here in verse 44 down through verse number 46, we read, the Bible says again, this is Jesus speaking to the disciples again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth. And for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on the message this morning. Father, it's been good to be in your house. Lord, I thank you for your blessings. I thank you, Lord, for the family of God. I thank you, Lord, for your word and that you have given us your word. And Father, from your word, we can find truths and principles, uh, Lord, that can guide and direct and instruct us, Father, as we live the Christian life. We thank you, dear Father, that you have given us the opportunity and the privilege, uh, Lord, to be a people who you have entrusted with the great commission. And Father, you have given us this honor that we can take your word and proclaim it to the lost world. We thank you, Lord, you have given us a message of hope. And Father, Lord, as we look at this message this morning, Lord, I pray that if there be any here, oh Lord, that have not yet recognized the great value of the gospel, that Father, Lord, this message will reveal to them, oh Lord, the great value. And Father, the, that they will recognize that this is worth more than anything else they could ever obtain. Father, I pray. Thank you for your goodness. Bless your word. Bless as we speak. Bless the children's ministry this morning. Oh, that's taking place. Lord, I pray that you will work and bless in your service. And Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Here in these two parables, the Lord is presenting one truth uh, from two different viewpoints. And the, the truth that is being presented is the, what we have titled this lesson, and that is the priceless value of the gospel. Through these parables, uh, the Lord has been using everyday applications uh, to illustrate great truths. He uses things uh, that man is familiar with uh, to illustrate uh, a spiritual principle so that man can be able to relate to what is being shared. Last night in the service that we had, Brother Ralph Coleman, a pastor of Blue Ridge Baptist there in Buena Vista, he preached for us and he used some illustrations talking about hunting dogs. And we were all familiar with hunting dogs and he was able to take these illustrations about hunting dogs and it helped us to see spiritual truths because he related it to something we understood. This morning Morning in Sunday school, Brother Danny was talk, was teaching, uh, and he used an illustration uh, of courtship uh, and marriage. Uh, and with that uh, uh, story of that we understood, he was able to illustrate uh, a spiritual truth and make it much easier for us to grasp the message. This is exactly what Jesus is doing in the parables. He is taking things that man is familiar with uh, and using that to illustrate a spiritual truth. Now I mentioned this a couple couple times as we went through the parables. Whenever we look at the parables, we need to be careful that we don't try to ascribe 
a meaning to everything in the parable. Because when you do, you start missing what Jesus is doing. This is not something that we ascribe a meaning to everything. It is a, it is a illustration. It is not necessarily something that every word means something deeper. It is an illustration of one truth, driving that truth home. And as we look at this, I believe you'll see what I'm talking about. As we look through this, he used sowing seed to illustrate sharing and receiving the gospel. He used weeds to illustrate the unsaved. He used growth of the mustard seed and the spread of leaven to illustrate the significance of small things in the ministry. And now in these parables, he's illustrating the immense value of the kingdom, the immense value of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the immense value of salvation. And he's illustrating it with two examples of the behavior of men when they discover something of great worth. So he is using how men behave when they discover something of great value as an illustration of how we should behave when we recognize the value of the gospel. So this is the truth that he is driving home. Now both of these parables illustrate the priceless value of the gospel, but they reveal two different methods of discovery. Boy, I tell you what, there's a lot of things that we we could get into this morning. I'm trying to be conscious of time. Y'all do know that I didn't start preaching until 10 till though, okay? So give me a little grace. Uh, trying to be conscious of time and want to just give you a clear picture here. So we'll move through this. The first illustration that we see is in verse number 44 where we see hidden treasure. Hidden treasure. Now, we notice that there's two different methods of discovery. In verse number 44, the hidden treasure, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Here we see someone who found a treasure he wasn't looking for. He found a treasure that he didn't expect to find. Now you may picture in your mind a pirate's chest. You may picture in your mind a gold mine. You may picture in your mind an oil or natural gas reserve. However you want to picture it in your mind, this man, while digging in a field, discovered something he did not expect to find. This is not what he was looking for. This is not what he was after. He encountered something he was not looking for. But then we see second, in verse 45 and 46, the pearl of great price. In verse number 45, the Bible says again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. The first one is someone who found a treasure he wasn't looking for. The second one is someone who found a treasure he was looking for. The first one found the treasure by chance. The second one found the treasure as a result of his search. So we see that there are some differences here. The discovery of the pearl was the result of a sincere search while the treasure in the field was found by chance. Whenever we consider this, the example of the treasure reveals that there are some who will happen upon the gospel 
by chance. There are some who will happen upon the gospel by chance. Not saying that this is by chance in regard to our work or in regard to the Lord's work, but by chance in regard to their interest. They will happen upon the gospel by chance, meaning it's not necessarily something they were looking for. It's not something they were seeking out. They were not necessarily looking for the truth, but God interrupted their path with an encounter with the truth. And boy, I am telling you what, I am so thankful that we have a God who interrupts the paths of men with encounters with the truth. Uh, And let me just tell you here this morning, uh, if you are an unsaved person, uh, you've never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and you have encountered the truth uh, of the gospel, uh, you have encountered the mercy of God uh, and you ought to take advantage uh, of Him interrupting the path of your life uh, to introduce you uh, to the truth uh, of the gospel. We see here that there are those who are not necessarily looking for the truth, but God interrupted their life with an encounter with the gospel. This seeming chance encounter will often awaken them to their need and a realization of the worth of what they have discovered. I do not know. This is just a made-up story. Jesus didn't give a background to why the man was in the field. And this is why I say we need not try to create more than is there. There's been whole sermons preached on why the man was in the field, and the Bible doesn't tell us why the man was in the field. So you've got to be careful about that. So the Bible doesn't give us an idea why the man was in the field. But one one can imagine that perhaps he didn't... We know he didn't own the field, so perhaps... He was working for the man that owned the field. He was plowing the field. We don't know why he was in the field. We don't know why he was digging in the field. But we do know that when he found the treasure, he realized that he had found something he didn't know he needed. But once he found it, he realized he needed it more than anything else. This, these chance encounters, if we were to put it in our day, uh, can happen by, from a carefully placed gospel track. Boy, you know what? It's something that I pray the Lord helps me with. It's something I try to be better about. And Boy, it seems like I'm still constantly missing opportunities uh, uh, to pass out gospel tracts. It's like, man, I, every time I'm like, where I don't have one. My goodness, uh, I, I, bought a, I bought a special phone case. The reason I bought this phone case is because it has a pocket right here that I can put gospel tracts in. I'm like, I, I need some way. So I have gospel tracts in my phone case. I have gospel tracts in my wallet. If I have a jacket on, I have gospel tracts in my coat pockets. And it still, I'll have an opportunity and nothing to hand somebody. I'm like, man, I missed another opportunity. But it could be a carefully placed gospel track. It could be just sharing the gospel with somebody, uh, telling them, hey, do you know the Lord, and passing it out. It could be a word of witness uh, uh, shared to a stranger, uh, uh, just a word of encouragement uh, that encounters them with the gospel. You see, the Spirit is constantly working in the lives of men, and we need not discredit the fact uh, that the Holy Spirit is working. The salvation of men doesn't depend on me. It depends on the Spirit 
spirit. My job is to awaken them to the fact that there is a treasure to be had. It could be a chance of witness to a stranger. It could be a gospel track. It could be a verse of scripture shared with someone in a time of need. It could be any other number of unexpected encounters with the gospel. But the unexpected encounter, the man in field did not expect to see the treasure. But when he seen the treasure, everything changed. It opened his eyes to the value. And whenever someone encounters the gospel, it opens their eyes to the value of the gospel and their need to obtain salvation. However, the example of the pearl reveals that there are others who are aware that there's an emptiness inside. There are those who are aware that something is missing. There are those who have, have, have recognized the fact that there is more to this life than what I'm experiencing. There's got to be something deeper. There's got to be more meaning. There has to be a creator. They may have never been in church. They may have never been introduced to the Word of God. They may have never heard the gospel, but somehow they recognize that there is something more and because they recognize that there is something more, they begin to try to find it. And boy, I'm telling you what, they spend their life looking for the answer. The problem is oftentimes they look in all the wrong places. We look here at this story of the man with the pearl. It says that he was a merchant man. He purchased pearls. This is what he did. He knew that there was wealth to be found in pearls and he was a man who spent his life looking for the perfect pearl. This is illustrative of a person who recognizes that there is a need, there is something more that he wants to have and he is looking and he is seeking. But as I said, they often look in the wrong place. Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes talks about this. He talks about those who go after riches. Oh my, it must be in riches and they pursue riches. Riches. They try to obtain wealth. They're like, surely the emptiness that I'm feeling can be satisfied with wealth. And they pursue the wealth. They find it's not there. They turn and they begin to seek pleasure. Maybe it can be found in pleasure. Maybe it can be found in entertainment. Maybe it can be found in satisfying the lust of my flesh. Maybe it can be found in good food. Maybe it can be found in multiple, uh, multiple partners. Maybe it can be found in all these things. They begin to search there and they recognize that once again this doesn't bring the satisfaction but instead it brings with it heartache and pain and suffering. They say, oh my, it's not here. And so then they begin to seek. Maybe they begin to seek knowledge and understanding. They begin to try to learn philosophy and understand how man works. And they search these things out trying to find that answer. Sometimes they'll pursue religion and different religions and, and, and they'll look into these places and they're searching and they're searching and they're searching and in their searching they have accumulated a box of pearls that don't satisfy. But one day they encounter the gospel. Now the first guy wasn't looking and God interrupted his path. The second guy is looking but make no mistake once again God interrupted his path. It is God who convicts the hearts of man. Jesus said, no man can come unto me except the Spirit 
draw him. It is God who interrupts the path of men. Some men aren't searching. Some men are searching. But God is interrupting their lives with encounters with the gospel. So we have one man who encounters it unexpectedly and recognizes the value. Another man is searching and at last he encounters the gospel and he says, I've never encountered anything like this before. Of all the pearls I've seen, of all the pearls I've purchased, of all the pearls that I've traveled great distances to find, I have never encountered a pearl that has the value of this one. And whenever these people are going through life seeking all these things that result in an empty dissatisfaction, whenever they encounter the gospel, they say, I've never encountered anything like this before. We notice the difference of the parables, but there's also some similarities in these parables. We see that both men found a treasure. We see that both men sold everything to obtain the treasure. We see that both men did obtain the treasure. Now, I just want to interject here to make sure that we don't misunderstand the Word of God. Remember, Jesus is using man's behavior when he discovers a physical treasure to help us understand the value of the gospel. This scripture is in no way whatsoever teaching that salvation or the spirit or any part of the gospel can be bought or purchased. That is not at all what this passage is teaching and anyone that would try to construe from this passage of scripture that this is teaching that you can purchase the gospel completely misunderstands this passage and have not compared it with the rest of the word of God. This is not teaching that the gospel can be bought but instead this is saying that in a physical realm when a man discovers something of tremendous value He is willing to rid himself of everything else in this life in order to obtain the treasure. In like manner, when a person encounters the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are willing to rid themselves of everything they have trusted in up to this point that they might obtain the hope of the gospel. It's not saying that we can buy it, but rather that they're willing to leave everything that they possess in order to obtain what they found. Consider the one who found the hid treasure. Again, we don't know why he was in the field, but very likely he was laboring for someone, earning a daily wage. He hid the treasure and he went real quickly. and He sold everything that he had. And he come back and said, I want to purchase the field. Whenever I think about this guy, when he encountered the gospel, his life changed. He went from being a laborer to being an owner. His life changed when he encountered the gospel. Not only that, his focus changed. It was, I dig the ditch to get the money to buy the bread, to give me the strength to dig the ditch, to get the money to buy the bread. That was his life. That was how he lived. But his focus has changed now. Now his focus is I'm going to sell everything I've got. 
I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to sell my horse. I'm going to sell my carriage. I'm going to sell the food in the cupboard. I'm going to sell everything that I've got, everything I've obtained, everything that this life has afforded me. I am getting rid of every bit of it. Why? Because I have found something that is more valuable than anything I possess. His focus became on obtaining the treasure. His, his goals changed. His behavior changed when he found the treasure. Why? Because he had found something worth more than anything he had encountered before. But then consider the one that found the pearl. This man spent his life trying to find that which would satisfy. It was his pursuit, finding the best pearl. But upon finding the pearl of great price, he was willing to sell all the other pearls that he had. There's a powerful illustration here. There's a lot of people who encounter the gospel but cannot take part in the gospel because they're unwilling to turn loose of the other pearls. They've been pursuing wealth their whole life. And the Bible teaches us that wealth is very deceptive. If you've fooled with money at all, you understand that it's very deceptive. It goes out faster than it comes in, but it always promises to come in faster than it goes out. It's very deceptive. There's always this lurking promise that there is some way, some quick way that I can obtain more quickly. Boy, the lottery and those type of gambling things prey on people with that mindset of if I could simply get more wealth. Now, there's some people who just, I don't understand, they win lotteries. There was this fellow I used to work with. He wasn't good with money at all. He spent his money all the time. But that boy could win lottery like nobody ever seen. We were going fishing one time. We stopped at a little gas station on the way. He didn't have any money. We were going to go in to buy bait. He said, man, I wish I had some money. I'm hungry. Well, me and my other friend, we go in to buy bait and left him sitting in the car. We come back out to the vehicle, and he's not there. Like, well, where'd he go? I wonder where he went. A little bit, he comes out carrying bags of food. We're like, he's like, here, you want a hot dog? I got hot dogs for everybody. I got food for everybody, chips, drinks. I mean, bags of food. We're like, I thought you said you didn't have no money. He said, I didn't, but I lifted the floor mat, and there's a dollar's worth of change. I went in and bought a lottery ticket, and uh, he said, I bought everybody lunch, and I got, we got food now. And I'm like, how in the world? And he did this multiple times, so I don't know. Some people just lucky, I guess. But uh, anyway... Man has this idea that wealth is going to answer. Wealth is going to provide. Wealth is, wealth is it. And so they find the pearl of great price of the gospel, but the deception of wealth, they can't turn loose of that pearl. Or perhaps their whole life they have believed, if I am good enough, I will get to heaven. If I'm good enough. Boy, I'm telling you what, it troubles me how many people I find have this deep-seated belief in their mind. Let, let me just assure you this morning, you cannot do enough good to get to heaven. And if you are relying even the smallest amount 
on your goodness to get you to heaven, I will promise you, you are not going there because in trusting in your own good deeds, the Bible says you are trampling underfoot the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are saying, I did not need you to die. I can get it on my own. Oh, I'm telling you what, the world is full of people who believe that I can do enough good to get to heaven and they encounter the truth of the gospel. Believe, repent, believe, and be born again. They say it can't be that easy. I'm going to hold on to this pearl of still trying to do the best that I can possibly do. There's many people who miss the gospel because they're not willing to turn loose of those other pearls. But this man recognized this pearl is worth more than any pearl I have ever encountered. The Bible, Jesus in teaching the disciples, illustrated the priceless value of the gospel by giving two stories of men who found physical wealth and they were willing to turn loose of everything in order to obtain it. These two parables are a picture of repentance. You know what repentance is? Repentance is recognizing there's nothing I can do. There's no worth in me. There's no reason for me to be able to have this. There's nothing I can do to obtain this. I am therefore going to turn from myself. I'm going to turn from my efforts. I'm going to turn from my sin. I'm going to turn from the way that I have been conducting my life and I'm going to turn myself toward the truth of the Word of God. I'm going to apply myself to the truth of the Word of God. I'm going to change the way I live. I'm going to live by the book. I'm going to believe the book. I'm going to turn loose of everything else that matters to me. I'm going to turn loose of everything else that I thought was important and my whole focus is going to change. My goals are going to change. My life is going to be directed by the Word of God. That is repentance and that is what brings salvation. Here in this story we see people who said, nothing in my life matters except this treasure. That is what brings salvation. When we are willing to turn loose of everything in order to obtain salvation. This morning I ask, how about you? How about you? Have you? Are you willing to turn loose of everything to obtain the Savior? Or are you still stuck digging the ditch, chasing a promise that's never going to be fulfilled? Are you holding on to those pearls that you were convinced were valuable instead of going after the pearl of great price? How about you this morning? I'm going to ask each of you to stand. We've moved through the passage quickly this morning, but I believe the truth has been proclaimed. There's a treasure to be found in the gospel. And this morning there's two truths that we can take from that. One, 
It's the obvious truth. If you've never accepted the Lord as your Savior, there's no better time than now to turn your back on everything that you have been and put your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. But the second truth that we can find, and one I believe applies to many people here, is we need to be busy helping people encounter the gospel. You see, Christ gave to the church the Great Commission. He said, I entrust you with taking the gospel to the world. I, this is the job I've given you. The reason we have this building, the reason we meet together, the reason we do everything we do is to fulfill the Great Commission. That, that's the purpose of the church. It's why it was established, was to get the gospel to the world. So if we're not taking the gospel to the world, that means there are sinners who are missing encounters with the gospel. You and I need to be busy getting the gospel to the community so that the one that's searching will encounter the gospel. So that the one who hasn't even thought about the importance of eternity will encounter the gospel. So as Miss Debbie plays... I invite you, if you've never been born again, come to this altar, let someone take the Bible and show you how you know for sure you're on your way to heaven. But if you're here and you're a Christian, it's Miss Debbie Place, come and say, Lord, help me be busy telling folks about the hope of the gospel. Miss Debbie.